everybody. Welcome to the City Girls Pod. And this is the show where we're breaking down past episodes of Sex in the City. So much fun. We did it just like that. Now we're doing Sex in the City. And we are talking this week about Sex in the City Season 1, Episodes 9 and 10. And it's going to be so much fun. And I'm film critic Rachel Wagner. And Jax is here. Hello. How are you doing? Good. This was a little less spicy than last yeah. week. But there, there was, there was some... Um, nudity <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah we give our our disclaimer that this is a mature show and this is a mature podcast so if that's not your jam we got tons of other content that you can enjoy um <laughs> this is not as uh, not safe for work as last week at least it was a little bit of a breather which was nice yeah baby showers those are safe for work you know yeah, yeah. and we uh, we decided to only do two episodes this week because we have uh, we would end up with uh, only one episode uh, of um, season one, so we ended up we'll do two episodes this week and we'll do two episodes next week. So it'll be a lot of fun. And the first episode is called "The Turtle and the Hare." Yeah, this is after Samantha is dumped. She tries to turn the turtle into a catch uh, is one of the plot lines going on here. But uh, what did you think overall of this episode? So I thought it was really interesting. This whole dynamic of should we settle? What is it like to settle? Is being married worth it? That kind of thing. Um, I also realized in this episode because you and I've been talking a lot about big and his relationship with Carrie and there are just so many things you forget from past seasons I forgot that he had said near the beginning of their relationship that he never wanted to get married again which is kind of a red flag for Carrie yeah I forgotten that too and it's it's tough because you know that you're trying to make a relationship work and different people have are bringing their experiences into the relationship. And I think that it's tough when you have those different kind of expectations of like, uh, I, or even if, even if it's just, I want things to either go faster or slower in the relationship is, is tough. I mean, I guess that's why they talk about, we should all listen to Charlotte when she talks about communication. <laughs> really she says relationships that need to be based on honesty and communication. And then that's when Samantha says, if you're 25, that would be adorable at 32. <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> but, but yeah, well, we, we learn here again that of course the Charlotte is the best. <laughs> She really is. And she's got a really stable relationship in, in, in this, this episode. episode and more power to her. <laughs> Good for Charlotte. Yeah. She doesn't want to leave the house because of her rabbit, yeah. but she's, she's definitely living her best life. Yeah. I mean, I do. I love when they have the rabbit intervention. That was hilarious. Oh, I love that too. And when Carrie said the line about you were hiding your rabbit behind a stuffed rabbit and it's so Charlotte, what could be more on brand than that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can understand where she's coming from because 
like putting yourself out there is so hard. And I mean, especially in New York city where you have all the New York city in, in, in this show, at least, you know, that everybody's there's so much competition for all the guys and just to just want to just stay home and not deal with it. I could completely understand where she's coming from. Yeah, especially when she's getting a lot of her needs met. Like she's got all the friendship and love and connection from her besties. And then she's got all the sexual stuff from her rabbit that mm-hmm. Miranda recommended. Of yeah. course, Miranda recommended it. That was also on brand. I liked that. It was, it was a fun moment to have the girls all, because I feel like Charlotte gets judged a lot by the girls. So it was kind of a fun moment for them coming in and being like, nope, we're not going to let, we're going to, showing their love for her was a nice moment. Yeah, I agree. And I love, you know, going back and seeing the core four, like all in one bed together, like all snuggled up, like watching TV and eating snacks. You just see why this show works so well and why it's become such an, an iconic mainstay of the culture it's because they really did have this really strong friendship these characters that they created and four really incredible actresses yeah I mean one interesting thing in this episode I thought is that when Carrie is talking to Big she says I do want a family which is kind of sad in a way because she doesn't end up having one And I hope that, I mean, obviously she's a fictional character, but I would hope that she would be happy with the way life turned out because I, because I've been lucky because there's a lot of pressure in the world that I grew up in, in in the Mormon world and the Latter-day Saint world to have a family, to get married and have a family. It just hasn't worked out for me. I haven't met somebody that I, I want to have a family with and that just hasn't worked out yet. Maybe, maybe someday I kind of doubt it, but I've been very fortunate because that's never been something that I have, like, I think I I would be a cool experience if that happened, but it's never been something that I felt like was my calling. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of other women, especially in the environment where I was raised, is do feel like it's their calling. And so then when it doesn't happen, it's devastating for them. And I, especially, I can think of a couple people in specific that, uh, that I won't name them, but, but a friend of mine that I feel like she just keeps trying to find something fulfilling. Like she's been a interior designer. She's been a teacher. She's been a, she's, she's had like four different careers and she keeps kind of trying to do something to, to fill that void. But in reality, what she really wanted was to be a wife and mother, which I think is so hard. You know, I'm very blessed because I I'm fine either way, I guess, like it would have been a cool experience and I don't have anything against it if it were to happen, but it's not something that's this, what I felt like was my purpose. Um, and I don't know that Carrie's necessarily saying that, but I think she definitely at least wants to be with somebody who would be open to it. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. That was another thing that I had forgotten was that we see this in both episodes, her saying this to big 
And then in the episode about the baby shower and when she's thinking she's pregnant, and then it's almost like she's disappointed that she's not pregnant. And yeah, I, I was wondering the same thing as you would Carrie be happy with the way that life turned out, but to your point about what you feel like your calling is, or that it wasn't necessarily your calling. I see that a lot in Carrie and that her calling it's never been like, I need to be a mom. I need to be a mom. It's just something that she doesn't want to shut the door on, which I think is interesting. Cause I think a lot of people feel like that. It's like, Oh, you're not sure if you want it. But then if someone tells you that you can't have it, it's like, um, in how I met your mother, when Robin finds out that she can't have kids and there's this disappointment, but also she didn't really want that. And man, it's complicated to be a woman. Yeah. <laughs> <That's very true. laughs> yeah I mean I guess and then at the end they say the only way to true happiness is to live in the moment and not worry about the future so there's I think some truth to that yeah uh they talk a little bit about weddings in this uh that the uh the Brooke this woman Brooke uh they go to her her wedding and they say it was an average hundred thousand dollar wedding and with invest invest in investor bankers and the women who hate them <laughs> i loved that i think that's hilarious <laughs> and i also liked when they said and us we look like the witches of eastwick <laughs> and they totally do yeah, it's yeah. like the four of them just standing there at the not good singles table so at weddings i it's interesting i always heard about these iconic singles tables and then every wedding I've been to, I don't, I I feel like they actually split up the single people and don't really make a good singles table. What has been your experience of that? Well, I have to admit, I don't really love going to weddings. I, I enjoy supporting my friends, but <laughs> I mean, you end up just kind of sitting for the whole time and it's just hard, not my favorite. Uh, but, uh, one of my friends, she, for her wedding, she actually like insisted that all like playfully insisted that all of us that were single, all brought a date to the wedding. And at first I thought that's kind of be awkward. Like this date doesn't know this person. It's going to be weird for them to be at this wedding, but it actually ended up the, the, the date that I ended up taking ended up actually knowing her through this was years and years ago they had had been in the same class actually together so they they knew each other a little bit so that was ironic but um really it was so so much fun it was way better because you actually had someone to talk to someone to dance with someone to like it was it was great i thought and so i i've always thought if i were to ever get married and have like a wedding reception with dancing and stuff like that then I, I I would do the same thing I would encourage my single friends to bring a date because I thought that I was love cool. that because I, I think having a plus one is just like your buddy for the wedding and sometimes yeah. you know like I know when I was single it was always helpful to have that other single friend that I also knew was going to the wedding if it worked out like that but then one time I had a plus one And I just brought like a female friend that I've been childhood friends with. I was like, look, I want someone to talk to. I don't really know a lot of people at this wedding. And it's great not to feel like you're sort of 
floating around with all these couples, which is another reason why the core four is so awesome. They're little witches coven because they all get stick together at these weddings that they go yeah. to. Which I do also think is something that probably is more realistic in your twenties than in the thirties that they're supposed to be here because it, it's just by, I think, I feel like by the thirties, one of these four would probably in real life would probably be married or in a relationship, uh, that, that, and that's something you see all over, uh, television. You have this sort of group of friends in, in thirties, in forties that I just don't think almost ever actually happens. Uh, that whether it's how I met your mother, but at least that had one couple married couple, yes. which I appreciated, but yeah, obviously friends Seinfeld, you know, sort of these that they, they can sometimes give this impression that like, if you don't have this kind of group of friends that do everything together and are always in each other's lives that, uh, that there's, you know, something wrong or, but I don't know anyone who has that. Yeah, like no. most people have like a friend here, a friend there. I'll see, you know, like for me, I have uh not counting online friendships. Uh, you know, I have like my friend, my I have a friend named Rachel who I see uh like once I see her every quarter or so. It was longer during the pandemic, but she has three kids. You know, it's tough to to coordinate it all, but we love each other and, and we have a good relationship and uh, I feel like that's the way most kind of friendships are these days. Yeah, I agree. I think because a lot of people, well, for so many reasons, for people getting married or having families or for people who moved away or move a lot or don't live near where they grew up or went to school or, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I was texting with my friend that I'm super close with in college and I realized that even though we text a few times a year and like, she's still very special to me. I haven't seen her since her wedding, which was 13 years ago. And my brain just went, it's like, we always still check in every once in a while, yeah. but it's like you said, life stuff just happens. And just like in TV and movies, there's these unrealistic expectations for romantic relationships. It's the same way with friendships too. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so do we think that Brooke is going to, in this, this marriage that Brooke is going to make it? Cause on one hand, she seems pretty self-aware of what she's getting into and she does seem to enjoy her husband, but she says that, uh, that, uh, always good to marry someone who loves you more than you love them. What do we think about that? Okay. So I've been, given that advice before and I've heard I've heard that bandied about I don't know it's a chicken or egg thing where I don't know if someone heard it from on sex in the city or if it made its way into sex in the city because the writers had heard that somewhere else um I don't know how I feel about it as far as like the power dynamics go but as far as Brooke making it I agree with you I think she's very self-aware and I kind of think this marriage will probably go the distance. I'm not saying it's going to be blissful, but I actually think that she has a very realistic expectation for it, which as it goes on, will serve her well. Like she doesn't have, you know, she's just never head in the clouds about it. Yeah. What do you think? The only thing that I think could be a problem is that if either of them meet someone that they actually 
legitimately fall in love with, then what do you do? I have a sneaking suspicion that her husband's in love with her. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know. I yeah. do wonder yeah. what would, what will happen with Brooke, but she seems so content. Like even when we see Sam and the turtle because Sam's making him her fixer upper. I laughed really hard at that line when she said, honey, by the time I'm done with him, he'll be Gracie Mansion. Cause I thought that's, it's such a New York thing to say. And also <laughs> yeah, she's really trying to make him into a desirable human being. But when Brooke is looking at them and she says about Sam, she seems happy. It's like, okay maybe Brooke actually is going to be content in this life. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see it working out because they seem to like each other enough to, it's not, it's not like a true marriage of convenience or something like that. Right. Yeah. So uh, I mean, maybe if, if both of their, uh, if their tides turned as far as their financial situation, they might that might that might be a deal breaker for this couple i don't know yeah but, uh, i could yeah she also seemed like the kind of person that maybe could get uh would be uh, uh getting married a bunch of times i could see that too yeah mm-hmm. yeah like i think it's an interesting thing it's that she has a realistic expectation for marriage that i don't think it would surprise me if she stayed in it but it, wouldn't be devastating for her if she got divorced either. So it's yeah. like whatever, like you said, whatever kind of like comes at her in life. We'd like to take a second from this episode of the podcast to celebrate our sponsor of this episode. And that is the Hallmarkies Patreon. Do you love Hallmarkies podcast? Do you want an inside scoop into what happens on the podcast? Do you want early access to episodes and loads of cool perks? Now is the time to become a patron of Hallmarkies podcast. By becoming a patron, you get to access our patron Facebook group. You can request episodes or even be a guest on the podcast. And most importantly, any patron can join our monthly movie watch-alongs with stars like Paul Campbell, Natalie Hall, and more. It's as low as $2 a month to join in and become a special part of the Hallmarkies family. Please consider, and we will love you forever. Go to patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That's patreon.com slash hallmarkies. That always just amazes me These that people can, it's, I have not been able to find one person that I want to marry. When people can find like four or five people who want to marry them, I'm just like, wow, God bless you. It is pretty amazing. I was thinking about that too, because one of my friends, I was in her wedding um, and then it, the marriage didn't work out. And then, um, three years later, I, I was away doing a show, so I couldn't make it, but she got married again. And I was, I was joking around her. I was like, you have found two people to marry you before before I'm even getting close to one. Right. I'm like, wow. Uh, well, let's talk about Bernie or turtle as they like to call him so the thing about i guess bernie is that i don't understand why he can't just have a breath lozenge you know a breath mint like if that's the major problem with him which seemed to be the major problem like can somebody just be like 
Yes. Yeah. And the crack. interesting thing is, is that he knew because he was like, oh, it's the Chinese herbs, which was funny that he was self-aware about That's it. True. But obviously he's taking it to make sure his system is running correctly or whatever, which I actually found endearing. I was like, oh, his bad breath isn't because he doesn't brush his teeth or take care of himself. He's just trying to like holistically heal his body or do whatever he's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, so, so Samantha is, is going to be meeting this guy at this bar and he, he uh, stands her up and then she sees Bernie there and she decides what the heck I'm going to hang out with him. And, and the, it's a tricky thing, I think, not that I'm some expert on dating, but, but with, with something like this where evidently he is, you know, talking about mushrooms and food and just not, not a very interesting uh, person to talk with. Like how much of yourself do you change for to make yourself more appealing and to make you more likely to find a mate? Uh, and then how much of it do you, uh, do you, you know, this is me, this is who I am. I, I, this is a silly example, but I remember, um, so when my sister and uh, brother-in-law were dating, uh, he, they had, they were poor college students, had very little, um, money and he would take her to go get those, like, you know, those like giant bottles of, uh, or like gallons of fruit punch that they sell oh, at yeah. like, these stores and stuff. He would get those and like cheap hot dogs. And that would be their, their thing. And and they were talking about after they were married and it was like yeah that was fun and she's like yeah i didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really like that it just we get such a fondness for it i love that he's like those were the days and she's like, i mean so i think that every couple probably has something like that where you're like i'm not going to share this part of, or i'm just going to put up with this uh, you know to be a good impression you want to you like this person but they do some weird little thing that you're like oh. or <laughs> i don't know if you can relate to that at all yeah no i mean i think it's more that i i i know I'll say this. I think when I was dating, I know my best qualities and I know my worst qualities. And I definitely try to uh, highlight the best ones while minimizing or pretending that the the craziness doesn't exist over here you and know that's the thing with this turtle guy is that he seemed to be totally open to the makeover from samantha but then like didn't want to didn't want to change things that i would feel like would be more consequential like fixing your breath like why why was that a problem you know what i mean like i would think he would put more of a problem of him like her like completely changing kind of his persona and identity and everything like that uh, making him into this mob boss uh, guy and uh, yeah. but no I'm not gonna fix my breath yeah why would that be the the hill that you die on like yeah, yeah I'd be like exactly. I'm glad someone told me I'm gonna fix that before anything but then they they ask the question is everyone in New York settling 
And it's a tricky question because you obviously have to settle in a, in a certain extent that like humans aren't perfect. And so when we, cause we're not perfect and we expect people to accept us flaws and all. Yeah. So when we, we meet somebody that they're going to have things that you're just like, Oh, I don't like that. Or that's weird. Or that's strange. <laughs> like, so. Hopefully it's not going to be as offensive as the the Brett situation <laughs> with yeah uh, turtle but I mean even that it's like I oddly found him kind of charming quirky charming yeah he's cute. yeah yeah he I he had a certain charm about him I wish we'd maybe gotten a little bit more of his kind of of his personality he was a little bit kind of just molded whatever was needed for each scene kind of you know what I mean like yeah. got more there was a great little scene between Carrie and Stanford I thought in this yeah and they talk about well should they just basically have a marriage of convenience to like keep them so they have someone to go to weddings with and things like that and he talks about how he took out a personal ad and he was uh, meeting uh, a guy he comes up to him and just says, are you Stanford? And then the guy just leaves, which made me so sad. And he says, even guys like me don't want guys like me. I don't have the gay look is what he says. That, okay. That broke my heart. And also the personal ad made me laugh that he had said, um, Ed Harris type. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. <laughs> yeah. And I looking at him in that scene, I was like, you are a little bit like an Ed Harris type. Like, again, I just, watching Stanford and watching his friendship with Carrie and this and just this pure connection of when they go to the ballet and they're talking yeah. about all they have in common and how they want that best friend to sort of be with them through it all, which a lot of times is what marriage is. I thought it was interesting how it seems like they were legitimately entertaining the idea so much so that he actually introduced her to his grandmother who was holding on to his inheritance until he gets married. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and she says, the grandma says, you know, he is a fruit. Uh, and which <laughs> is awkward. Um, yeah. And- yeah. It was an awkward interaction and Carrie's like, oh. yeah. And Carrie's like, well, it looks like Stanford's not going to be getting his inheritance anytime soon. <laughs> well, and it is, it is so interesting when you see things like this, like even just this notion of um, having to wait until you're married for some milestone. Like I understand why for an inheritance, you would put a age limit on it or something right. like that. But I mean, I am, I'm engaged. I'm getting married, but like my brother and sister and I were all in our thirties and none of us are married yet. So like, I mean, it's an interesting thing of like, well, but we're still like adults. And I think it's an interesting concept that some people don't seem to view you as an adult until you're either married or you have kids or something like that. Yeah. I think I mentioned the other day about the family reunion where they were they were like, uh, they're giving out the family, uh, the, all the information packets. And they're like, well, why don't you talk to your, talk to your parents? And I'm like, I'm literally older than you. I'm older than you. Rachel, where's your adults? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, uh, it, it is frustrating when you feel like as a single, you're constantly kind of put on the, um, on the kid's table. 
and and that that is something that can definitely happen not as much at like weddings but definitely at like family gatherings and things like that and and sort of this idea that somehow the 18 year olds in the family who not my immediate family but more cousins and things like that but uh, that like the 18 year old who's just gotten married uh is somehow looked at by oh this older generation like this grandma as sort of more uh more mature and more yeah. uh, I don't know it's a weird thing than than somebody who's like in their 40s and 50s like what <laughs> And I was always surprised my grandma, cause she did some, she, she was like that. Some, I was really surprised because she got married later because in world war two, you either got married really young before, kind of before the war or like it war. If, if that didn't happen, you got married later, a lot of people after the war and, and that was her. And she still managed to have eight kids. Unbelievable. And uh, truly uh, <laughs> yeah and she got married at 32 and she had eight kids and uh but uh but yeah i so I, I would think that she would be more sort of sympathetic of of that whole situation of being because she had a great life i mean she was in the waves and she uh she she did great things before she got married uh and she yeah. she was a missionary for the church and for her church and and so You'd think that, but no, here's how it's just kind of, why are you married? What's going on? What's happening I don't know. I, I don't know why I'm not married. Please help me. Well, you're like, why do you have someone? Like, yeah. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, that is one true thing that people on shows and stuff always complaining about friends setting them up. That's not me. That's not this person. If anybody wants, if anybody watching wants to set me up with anybody, as long as they're not like a, like terrible I'll, I'll go i'll go on i'll have a oh, meal with almost hi. anyone yeah oh, wait wait what did you say you, i said no, i'll have a meal with almost anybody i'll let anybody buy me dinner <laughs> i'm not offended at all if if anybody wants to busy body match make me i'm available and ready to go <laughs> i'm not annoyed at all <laughs> so there we go Please, please don't do this to me. And then if I have someone for you, be like, Papa Ma, not for me. So you're open. You're open. open. Yeah, I'm not guaranteeing now. that it'll be a match, but like but I you, said. You'd have a meal. Oh yeah. I have a meal with anybody. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's a really, well, first of all, that was a great ab workout. I'm laughing so hard. Uh, <laughs> But that's a really good point. I always sort of felt like um, I dated someone for a long time in my 20s. And when I became single, I was like, all right, I'm ready for my friends to match make me. Not one time. Not sure. one time. <laughs> like, I never have people try to set me up. <laughs> it's so hard to meet people when you're 30 plus. Like, it's so hard. It is funny, though, in all these, whether it's, sex in the city or like any hallmark rom-com and it's like the person who's always resistant to the matchmaking and someone trying to match them up and they're like no I don't want to be set up it's like maybe because we put out that energy of oh we're open it's this weird thing where we're not attracting that because yeah no one not, not even a passing oh I think I know someone who might be good for you no never no one tried 
like definitely people can go overboard. Like I had a roommate once who, when she would go home for Christmas and Thanksgiving and stuff, uh, her mother would have basically a date there for her for Christmas, like eating a Christmas meal with them. Uh, and uh, she was the, she was from a family of 10 kids and she was the only one not married. And so like, it was her mother's sole goal in life was to get her daughter married. And I was just like, like, that's too much. That's too much. Yeah. When you said you'd have a meal with anyone, you didn't mean your Christmas meal with your family. That's not where he's invited. (laughs) You don't want some random person in all of the Christmas photos, (laughs) but I'm in general, I'm totally up for it. I really am. So uh, feels turning that I know you're truly open to a setup. Yeah. And if you're, if you're watching, I'm in Utah, so yeah, make it happen. But also um, you travel around a lot for your That's true. Work. So yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. And maybe I'll put my, my like um, Facebook dating profile or something like that in the comments yeah. in the description. Ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, let's get this going. I, <laughs> I've had no luck on my own, so might as well. Anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's, I kind of wonder if someone like Turtle is kind of a little bit on the spectrum Do you, did you kind of feel maybe a little of that yeah and that's probably why I thought uh he was really endearing like I find those like, like I find certain intensities in personality and um people who are neurodivergent to be really interesting because I also have a pretty obsessive personality and I fixate on things so that's probably why it had a charm to me, but yeah, yeah I definitely mean, think he could be. Yeah. Cause he wasn't very observant of sort of social cues and also, uh, the way that he would like fixate on like mushrooms or, you know, like what kind of mushroom is it? Like that felt very, uh, um, typical, I guess to me. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just about finding for a turtle. I think it's a, cause it is a terrible match with Samantha. They have nothing in common. They're totally like, that would not work at all. Uh, but, uh, but if he could find somebody who's kind of like equally nerdy and fun and yeah, that would be, that would be the match. And I had hoped for him at the end when he said, do you like this turtleneck? My ex-girlfriend picked it out. I was like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I did think it was cute. The ending scene with Carrie and big in the pasta sauce. That was cute. I did too. And this is what happens. He reels us in. Yeah, he does. Uh, so what would you give this one? One to 10. This one, I would give a solid eight. I, I really like that it incorporated um, such a wide array of fun characters. I felt like even Brooke was really fleshed out. And I love that Stanford had a good plot line in this and um, Turtle was funny. So I would give it a solid eight. What would you give it? I think that's fair. And there was a lot going on. And it had some really funny moments. Oh, it's plotline with the rabbit. You had you had Samantha and Turtle. You had Carrie and Stanford, which was really that was a really sweet plotline. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I think it's a good one for this one. We'd like to take a second and thank our sponsor for this episode of the podcast. It's the Hallmarkies Merch Store. Are you looking for that perfect gift for the postable, hardy, or Hallmarky in your life? What about getting that T-shirt or hoodie that will help you stand out at your next holiday party? Now is the time to check out the Hallmarkies merch store. 
full of festive designs by artists like Jessica Miller, Carrie from Walmart Comics, and more. You can even have more than just shirts, but totes, cell phone cases, notebooks, mugs, and more. And it isn't just Hallmark. We have designs for Anna Green Gables, Man from Snowy River, The Nanny, and more. Every purchase at the merch store goes to help support the podcast and allows us to make the great content you know and love. There are frequent sales, so go to tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies or see the link in the description. That's tpublic.com slash stores slash Hallmarkies. So next we have the baby shower. It's episode 10. And basically their friend uh, is invited them out to Connecticut to go to the baby shower and it inspires all kinds of madness, but not only their friend, but it's also sort of their wild friend who, uh, who enjoyed, uh, enjoyed some sexy dancing. I, is that fair to say? <laughs> I, 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 yes. Yeah. And <laughs> at, at minimum, it was, it was definitely, <laughs> it was definitely sexy. And I wish, I really wish we had a mother on the episode, uh, because I, I would love to hear their perspective on this. Uh, because I, I mean, I do think that motherhood is going to change you. I mean, it's such, yeah. how could it not, how could it not? But, uh, I also think that, uh, we sometimes, I don't know, we can just be so judgy of people that are in a different phase or have made different choices than we have. And I hate that we do that as women, that we're judgmental of people who have, you know, too many children or not enough children or haven't gotten married or, and that we kind of, that was, you know, somebody's a working mother, somebody's a stay-at-home mother, you know, that we kind of don't allow people to make choices and we don't support them in those choices is, can be frustrating, I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And we don't see this in our culture as much with men getting, Mm-hmm. sort of their choices being dissected in that way and yeah I, I find it and I think you're similar in this way too like I am in awe of moms and motherhood and I really respect that and but I also think that sometimes it's hard for me to hear when someone who is a mom will say well like you don't know love until you have a kid yeah. like I am probably not going to have children. And like, I definitely feel like I know what love is. Like, I feel like I have the love of family and friends and my cat. And like, you know, I think you can, you can love people in a very deep way that love may not always be the same, but you also don't know what's going on in someone's like body, head, mind, soul, heart, all that stuff. So And then I think conversely, there's also the stuff with people who don't have children also judging moms like, oh, she's super into her kids now. We don't like that. Or, oh, she doesn't work outside of the home. That's a problem. Or she does. And that's a problem. So, yeah, I think if everyone could just focus on their own path and support other women on theirs, I think we'd all be a lot better off. Yeah. Like Carrie, at one point she says that the, the master, the woman with the masters in finance that all she wanted to talk about was her diaper genie. And (laughs) I mean, that's what makes adult friendships really hard is that, that we're, it's not that you maybe have anything opposed to having children or it's just that it can be hard because 
you know, somebody is just in a different phase in their experiences. And so all of a sudden that connection, when you were both in college, when you're both in, you know, that, that the, it's just different. And so you kind of either have to just appreciate the person for who they are now, and hopefully they do the same for you or, you know, the friendship is, is going to struggle. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really related to this episode a lot because, um, again, I grew up in an environment where there was a lot of pressure to become a mother and, uh, to get married pretty young. Um, and I struggled with that when I was younger because, I, I didn't feel like I was a particularly maternal person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and part of it was because my mom had had babies when I was in high school uh, and uh, when I was 16 and when I was 18. And, and I, obviously I love my siblings, but it was a very stressful experience. She had to have full bed rest for it, for the pregnancies. And, uh, and then also for my sister, that's 10, I have a sister that's, that is 10 years younger than me. Um, so for those three and I, you know, I read over my journals from those times and I just talk about how, like, I, how stressed I am, how worried I am worried about my mom. And I, it was a, I'm not gonna say a traumatic experience cause that's too far, but it was definitely something that I didn't have sort of the luxury of the like perfect, you know, baby experience that most girls, certainly from my culture would have, you know, you'd see a baby and be like, Oh, I see a baby. And I'd be like, Oh, oh no. <laughs> Cause I knew how much work it was. I knew how hard it was. And, and I, I just, there was something about it. I would hear people talk sometimes at church and I would feel like what's wrong with me. Why am I not feeling those like desires? Why, why do other people want to get married so bad? And I'm kind of like, if it happens, that'd be cool. Um, and and anyway, so I was just, I was struggling with that a lot in my twenties and I finally kind of had to have a, I guess, a spiritual journey for me that I realized that God loved me for who I am and he made me a particular way. And that I do have those maternal qualities, but just in different ways. Uh, it's not necessarily like, and I'm sure I'd be fine with the baby, but uh, but I would probably, I'd probably be the kind of mom that would maybe be best once kids are a little more verbal mm-hmm. and that would be like my prime, you know, I can talk and talk it out and, and everything. And, and I, and that was a big moment for me when I kind of had that realization of like, I know God loves me for who I am. And he made me a particular way to bless me with, with gifts and, I don't have to be like this ideal maternal, this idea of, of of a maternal woman that I kind of set up is why am I not like that? If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it is also that as much as we want to think, and they touch on this in this episode too, it's this whole thing of, can you have it all? Mm-hmm. And yeah. what is having it all? And really, I mean, just in a realistic sense, I think there are both things, there are things that you and I get to do that we wouldn't be doing if we had children. Not saying that we still wouldn't have our passions and still be doing things that we love in that way, but you can't do everything in the same way your life does change. And I think that if you're honest with yourself about what you're calling is and and what 
you're meant to do and you open your heart to hearing that rather than following on some path that you think someone else wants you to go on or that you think you should, I think everyone would be a lot happier. Yeah. I I remember a friend of mine talking about how she thought going into marriage and motherhood that, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to be a working mother. And I, I, you know, I don't want to give up my career and everything. And, but for her, when she had a child, she just really enjoyed it way more than she expected. She's like, I don't really want to leave my child. Like, and, and then other people, that's not their experience in their journey, but some people do kind of have it and realize, Oh, this is way more fun, way better than I thought it was going to be. And, (laughs) and, and so we have to allow all different presentations of womanhood, I think. And you have to allow people the ability to change as well, because obviously experience like motherhood is going to change you. Yeah, that's a really good point that even when it happens to you, it might affect you in a way that it's different than what you thought. I mean, I had a friend who said to me, she wanted to be a mom from the time I met her. We are 1920. She got married really young, had kids really young. And she says to me, even now she says to me, she's like, I love my kids more than anything in the world, but I hate being a mom. And she never, she thought that that was, she never wanted to work outside the home. She wanted to fully, and that is what she does. She homeschools her kids. She's one of the most amazing people I know, but she said that she will always love them more than anyone else, but she doesn't actually like the day-to-day life of being a mom. So I thought that was really interesting that it, someone who was always thinking that's what they wanted when it actually happens, sometimes it feels different too, you know? Well, yeah. And you have the, these women who are all kind of thinking back to their previous lives before they had kids. And Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because it's, it is going to, it's, you can't have the exact same life, but it also, I mean, according to this episode, it seems like you have to throw it all out, but then Carrie talks about, oh, I know plenty of hip women who still have their careers and babies. And yeah, I mean, you can, everybody's journey is just different and you have to uh, obviously finances play a big role in this as well. Uh, somebody that can afford to have a full live-in nanny is going to have different options than somebody who, who doesn't. (laughs) Well, and that's a good point too, that when we watch sex in the city, even though we're seeing all these different experiences, we're still seeing a very privileged experience. Like whether you're living in a suburb in Connecticut in these huge fancy houses, you have a lot of economic privilege. And same thing with these four women who live in Manhattan, they have a lot of economic privilege. So we're just seeing a certain little slice, which is interesting. I did laugh when Samantha says that the witch in uh, Hansel and Gretel is greatly misunderstood. Yes. (laughs) That was a good line. (laughs) It's such a classic Samantha line too. Yeah, it was funny. Uh, and then we also have, so Charlotte finds out that Lainey is stealing her baby name that she always wanted Shayla that she has like a whole, a whole box for. And I think that, that 
you should be able to reserve one name within your family. Like, because people know that I love the name Lily and I love the name Christian. And so if oh, one of my beautiful name. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if one of my siblings, sister-in-laws or sisters named one of their kids, Lily or Christian, I would be kind of bummed out. Like I'd be like, Oh, everybody knows that's even though I'm probably not going to have kids. Like that was the ones that I was thinking for my kids. But I feel like for friends, that's asking a lot. I mean, I didn't even get the feeling that this woman was that good of friends with Charlotte. Well, that's something I was sort of confused about. And that you almost wish you had like a, um, the earlier days of when they were in their 20s to know, because it feels like they're not good friends now, but that when they were all single, like they were going out together a lot because I thought it was interesting that Charlotte shared with her that that was her baby name. Um, but yeah, I don't think you can really stake claim to multiple friend groups and these kids are not even going to live near each other. Unless right, Charlotte's yeah. going to Connecticut, which she probably in her head at this time is thinking about that. Yeah. Like, do you have a baby name that if you were to have a child, what you would. So it's funny because um, my sister and my two cousins and I, um, me and my two cousins, we didn't know that the three of us had the same name and my sister like took the air right out of it. Cause she didn't she didn't like that name for a kid and we all started laughing. So basically we all, our mom's maiden names are Callahan and all three of us wanted to name our first child Callahan, whether it was a boy or a girl. Uh-huh. And my sister just looked at us and laughed and she said, it makes me think of pierogies. And then it t- totally changed it. I just think of the bad guy in Big Hero 6. That's the way <laughs> it Here's Callahan. So it doesn't work for you either. <laughs> so now I don't have one. Uh, but one thing that really surprised me is that you have, so Carrie thinks she might be pregnant and then you have Lainey who is pregnant and both of them are drinking throughout the episode. That so was surprising to me. The Carrie thing to me was to be honest, I didn't really notice only in that I think, and maybe this is me rationalizing her behavior. To me, the Carrie drinking thing was like, she doesn't really think she's pregnant. It's more just like a thing she's entertaining in her head. Like she knows that you can be late on your period, whatever. Yeah. The Laney thing, it did kind of stop me in my tracks for a second because it's, I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know now that having a drink here and there is not, you're not going to have fetal alcohol syndrome with your child for, but I, you certainly would never see that in, in, in anything. Now you would never see somebody drinking pregnant, never, uh, in any kind of show, (laughs) even a drama. So it was, it was kind of surprising to me. Uh, but she ends up taking the pregnancy test. I just thought it was such a great scene when she says that, uh, I, I don't 
No, I don't. I, am I maternal again? Cause I, my past, I it really connected with me when she says, am I maternal? I don't think I would be very good at this. And I think that there's a side of you that's okay to say, okay, I'm not going to be good at this. So then I don't want to have children. That's a perfectly valid choice. But I also think that nobody thinks that they're going to be great at it until you do it. And then you learn along the way. Like, I, I think that a lot of people end up being great parents who don't think that they necessarily are going to be great parents. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I just thought it was a good moment. Yeah, I agree. And you don't really feel, I think with a lot of big life choices, you're never going to feel hundred percent ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as we've said many times, the comparison is the thief of joy. And so if you're comparing somebody else's, like somebody else's parenting, somebody else's children, somebody else who seems like a you know perfect mother in your eyes, then you are robbing, you're, you're usually comparing their best with your worst and yes. you're robbing yourself of, of joy, uh, of, you know, appreciating the moment and, and being able to be uh, happy with, with what you do have. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I mean, <laughs> Man, I thought the acting in this episode was so good. Like even all the the moms that popped in or even that mom at the end that the little girl comes over to Carrie and um, Carrie says, oh, she's adorable. And the mom says most of the time, like I just (laughs) thought it was such a a good moment. It was such a great moment. And this show, it really continues to impress me. Of course we know that the, the series regulars are great actors, but they really do get these incredible guest stars to come on the show and co-stars that even just for the tiniest roles, yeah. they really nail it. Yeah. And I thought the Blaney, she looked so much like Carrie Coons to me. I was yes. just like, what? Who was in the She's recent really Ghostbusters good. if people saw that. But <laughs> She's she, was, she was really good. I thought she did a great job uh, with the, with showing kind of both sides of sort of the party side and, uh, but then also how she's trying to change her life. And I don't know, I just thought she did a, uh, a her name is Dana Wheeler Nicholson is her name of the actress. And I thought she did a really good job as Lainey. Yeah, she definitely made a character that we thought was going to be very one dimensional um multi-dimensional you know we and I didn't see it going that way until you realize that she is the same we all have the same hopes dreams fears doubts all that stuff they just manifest themselves in different ways based on what stage in our life we're in I also thought it was funny with Miranda saying it's a cult uh, I've lost two sisters to motherhood and I know I know what I'm talking about. That was, that was funny. Really That's funny. Fun. And then seeing Charlotte just living her best life, like <laughs> as, with the Bellini baby basket and like wearing the cute little thing on her head. It was like, oh, Charlotte was meant for this life. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. I really liked this episode. I this might be my favorite of all the ones we've talked about. I just could, I guess I connected with it pro- the, probably the most. Uh I I don't know. I would give it a nine. Yeah, I, I really, this one hit me. Like for, for all the funny things, there were so much in it that pulled in my heartstrings and just that last shot. 
of Sarah Jessica Parker walking home from the park and saying, on the way home, I got my period. And you just see her face and you're like, how does she feel? And I think that it's, it's again, one of these things that has made this show just really stand the test of time is that you have a lot of gifted people working on it, talking about real human things. Yeah. I, and Lainey kind of ends the episode and says, one day you're going to wake up and you're not going to recognize yourself. And I, I think that, uh, that's, that's true. I mean, uh, it's, it's, I think it's especially true if you go through so, something as intense as raising a child. I mean, that's a big thing. So I, I, I liked that, that, uh, I don't know she said that. So, yeah. so let us know, especially if you are a mother, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode. I think it would be very interesting in the comments section uh, or on Twitter. We'd love to hear what you have to say. And uh, Jax, where can we will find you? At Jacqueline C. Tweets on Twitter and Jacqueline Collier on Instagram. You can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Run Tomatoes. So check that out. And also make sure you're following Homeworkies Pod and Homeworkies Podcast, all of our social media. And we are also at the City Girls Pod on Twitter. So check that out. And then if you are listening on iTunes, please leave your ratings and reviews. That helps us so much. And if you are watching on YouTube, please give this video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. We appreciate that. We also have our patron group and merch store, and we would love for you to check that out. Information in the description. We're having our, and tomorrow when this airs, it'll be tomorrow that we are having our Q and A with Will Kemp. It's going to be super fun. So make sure you sign up. Uh, we would really appreciate it. And uh, you lucky so girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thanks so much. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye everyone. Bye.